Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Welcome to Make It Clear. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host. I'm also president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Now, you know our broadcasts often come with a verse-by-verse study of Scripture. We call it Life Application Expository Bible Teaching. But from time to time, we break from that because we meet various people that are really living out the Word of God. And I personally want you to get to meet them. And we've had this couple on before. They were so popular, so many people tuned in and really engaged in the topic. And so we've invited them to come back again. And we're so glad to have the Spurlings with us. We're so glad for the ministry that they have in a particular country that really, in many ways, runs hot and cold for the Lord. The Christians that are there are running hot for God. And of course, there's much opposition and in areas and time, severe persecution now and historically in the past. So I want to welcome back the Spurlings to our program. And they have been ministering, of course, here in the United States, but also in the country of China. So I want to welcome you back to our program. Welcome to Make It Clear. Stan, thanks for having us on. Thank you. Well, I know that uh, our listeners that have been with us before know a little bit about you, but the Lord has really granted us favor by having new listeners and additional listeners. So why don't you just share briefly how the two of you met? (laughs) Oh, that's a fun one. Uh, Well, I was um, needing to hire a house painter and a friend of mine, and by the way, I was um, determined at that point in my life to be single and a friend of mine said hey I know uh, my uncle knows this guy who's a painter and he's a Christian I said good she said he's single I said not interested Um, John came to give me a bid for painting I met him on my front doorstep he was an out-of-work geologist painting houses it was a three-day job that took me two weeks and I'm still painting You know what's neat is for our listeners to hear that God in his own special way will bring people together and not just to be only life partners, but to be serving the Lord together and that you guys have done that and you really had a heart for the people of China. And so I want to move more quickly. It's kind of a, not a baby step, but a big step. So now you fell in love you then came together as a husband and wife, and then you've been called into ministry. How did you know that you were called into that ministry of ministering to the people in China in a very unique way that you're going to describe for us in a few minutes? But how did it come about that the two of you really had that call together to work for the Lord? Well, um, I was in between uh, ministry positions in September of 2009 at the end, and there were two positions I was expecting to have to decide between. Uh, That morning, both of those 
uh, people uh, re representing those organizations, one in outreach for women, the other uh, crisis pregnancy centers here in the Denver metro area. Uh, both of those doors slammed shut in such a unique way as to make me uh, understand that God was protecting me. Uh, and yet still feeling like, wow, Lord, I feel like you're protecting me, but I'm feeling like you forgot about me. <laughs> and um, he, I went to my special place in the backyard. He led me to Isaiah 41.9, you who I've taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you're my servant, I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Uh, and I uh, finished my little uh, pity party at that moment and said, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Went back into my office on this very same day and had a friend who I'd worked with in another ministry call me and say, hey, I'm with Global Partners in Hope. We're a new organization. We work in and out of China and Africa and sensitive countries. And my CEO is going to be in Denver next week. Will you meet with him? I met with uh, our CEO, Ian Vickers, that next week. It was supposed to be a 45-minute meeting that stretched to a couple of hours. And Ian ended that meeting by saying, I wasn't going to do anything for the women or family ministry part of our uh, calling in China. We've been, uh, we're, we're planning to do mostly business ministry and that sort of thing. But after talking to you, I feel like God has um, really led me to bring you on. You'll need to raise your support. So I uh, drove home and called my husband and said, good news, got a job, bad news, don't get paid. <laughs> and we kind of joked about that. And six days later, we met with um, a couple that we had planned this meeting for um, a month before any of these uh, doors had closed and opened. And all of this is in a 12-day period. So we met with this couple uh, and they wanted to hear all about Global Partners in Hope. And I had done my homework and shared with them. At the end of the meeting, this gentleman said to us, uh, Peggy, I will not let this not happen for you. Mm -hmm. And as a former English teacher, that was the best double negative I'd ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it turns out they launched us and are still supporting us. And, and and we're so grateful. And so that was just me at that point in time. And then John would go with me once a year. And then about three years ago, I joined full time as the uh, in-country director. And Peggy and I both are uh, share that responsibility of in-country director for China. Well, actually, we joke that John is now my boss after uh, 10 years almost of my working in China. And so we, we joke that I t wake up every day and tell him what he ought to tell me to do. <laughs> well, I really like that. It's learning to serve one another together, submitting to one another like it says. That's, in right. That's right. We work together pretty well. Oh, you know, for those of you that have just tuned in, you tuned in to make it clear. And my name is Stan Pons and I'm your host, but we have a wonderful set of guests here today. We're talking to Peggy and John Sperling of Global Partners in Hope. And we've heard a little bit of the backstory of how the Lord brought them together, because it's important not only to hear about the needs of a country, but how that God prepares the people to go. If any of you have read any good, solid Christian biographies, you're going to find that 
it, it seems like the first chapter or the introduction of the first chapter gives you the backstory of what helped or what framed that missionary to help them then to be launched into the mission field. And so we heard a little bit of the backstory of Peggy and John. But now let's talk about of all the places you could go, you are called at this point in your life. I know you have got a global vision, local and global or global, we might call it. But yeah. more particularly, you're now focusing a little bit more on China. So tell us now what caused you to then um, sense this calling for the people of China? How did that happen? Uh, the first trip that we made to China was in December of 2009, and Peggy had been hired. I was not working for Global Partners at the time, but my wife was going to be in China, and I wanted to see what it was like. So I joined her on that first kind of a vision trip, and I love to travel, but uh, about two weeks before the trip, Peggy said to me, you're not excited about this trip, are you? I said, no. China's not really on my list. I'm really not interested, but I'm going because you are. And then about uh, after we arrived in China, about three days later, I turned to Peggy and I said, I just love these people in this country and I could live here. And it just was that, uh, that quickly that God uh, really put it on my heart to care about China in the way that we do. And I uh, opened the door for Peggy the way she described. And so there we were together. It's neat to be able to serve the Lord together because you can talk about things that you experience mm-hmm. separately, but yet together. And there's a deeper understanding, especially as the days, weeks, months, and years go go by. And so I'm I'm so glad to hear that you're able to do that. And so now you have this sense of China. You really placed it in your heart. It's very similar, if I can use the analogy, to Hudson Taylor. And all of us would say we're a little candle, and he's the S-U-N. He's so big and so bright as one of the primary missionaries to China, perhaps not the very first one, but the one that went inland. But that being said, he just really was passionate about serving the Lord together with his mate, first Maria and then others. But I wanted you to know, though, that you remind me so much of them. In addition to that, while while, uh, Taylor was called to China, in reading his biography, what was so amazing is that he also had a burden for Australia. And every day he prayed for Australia, it says in his journal. Yes, other places in the world, and of course for China. But it was neat because he wasn't restricting himself to just one people group, that he still saw the world in need of the gospel, but he did accept the call that gave him to China. And I sense that about you. But, you know, we can have the falling in love with the Chinese people and that God does place it upon our heart. But when we look at them, we think of their need and people have need all over the world. But what are some of the unique needs that you're seeing in the people of China today? And speaking of the the call to to China and other places, Stan, I'll answer your question. But just one of the things we love is that when teams go to China and see the passion and the bravery, the courage that they have to to share Christ, they come back here energized to do the same locally. So we we love that about about the Chinese people. Yeah, uh, part of the challenge that they're having today is that the government definitely is tightening down on uh, the church and on Christians and on religion in general. Um, I uh, have a sweatshirt from a Christian bookstore in Beijing that we do a lot of teaching at. Um, They used to have seven locations. Now they have one. And they don't know how much longer that one will be able to remain open. So uh, those kind of resources are getting harder and harder. Uh, The 
government has forbidden online Bible sales now, so you can't go to their equivalent of Amazon and buy a Bible and have it delivered to you. You have to go to the government church to get a Bible. You can still do that, but it's more difficult. And so things like that are happening. It seems like if you follow the history of China, particularly the the Christian history of China, you're going to find that it seems like there's always been what we call an ebb and a flow. Mm -hmm. There was a great opening revival, and then there was tremendous, I mean, severe horrific persecution, and then it would soften up again, and then they kicked out the missionaries around 1950, that period of time. But even then, that wasn't the most severe, but they've gone all through it, and yet there was always a beacon of light for the gospel. God never left the country without a witness. And so I think what I'm hearing you say between the lines is because of that type of thing, and right now there's it's it's closing up again, you need to work quickly and thoroughly as long as you can, because we don't know how much tighter it's going to get. And if it stays tight, how long it'll be before they open it up. And a lot of this depends also on the United States and China's relationships to one another. And so it's all factored into this as well. We've seen that sense of urgency or felt that sense of urgency uh, there because we've known that they could close the door at any moment. That's wonderful. Why don't you again give us the website of your ministry of Global Partners in Hope? And um, you can explain the uniqueness of that website in the way that it uh, presents itself regarding Christianity. It is globalpartnersinhope.com. You you won't find a lot of our faith uh, basis on that website. It'll look like we are serving the world. Uh, we we also work in two countries in Africa. You'll see a lot more about Africa on our website than China, and that is uh, partly intentional because we do not want to emphasize too much what we're doing there. But we do post things about our our work and our efforts and our trips and such on the website. And I believe that's very important. You know, the Bible talks about coming in and being wise Mm -hmm. so that when we deal with these people, we're not manipulative. We are not uh, defrauding the truth in any way. It's full integrity. But at the same time, we want to speak wisely so that the ministry can have a broad expanse. I've been doing some study on what they call bivocational pastors. And there are there's a new term that's been out for the last four or five years, and it's called marketplace pastors. Mm -hmm. These are pastors who can be paid by their church, but they choose to serve the greater church in the community by still working in some type of employ and yet still serving their church. So when I look at you guys, I look at you going in there and there is a marketplace evangelism that's going on and it's done very uniquely, but very effectively. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do, Stan, is is to build up people so that as uh, they they are in the workplace, they are in the marketplace, and yet we want them to be uh, being sharing their faith as their employers, and even the government of China sends them out into other parts of the world that they are sharing their faith as they go. Very good. Now, let's talk about that. You're engaging the community, the business professional community, even the culture there in China. You're engaging them as Christians. So I know you're modeling Christianity. We get that. But now, what are you doing 
to be a little more proactive, but yet at the same time operating very carefully and compassionately. So, so what do you do? And share what you feel you can comfortably share without risking or jeopardizing what you're doing there or people there. It's so varied, the things that we do. We uh, in, Just in the, in the trip in November um, of this last year, we were teaching in a Christian bookstore, as John previously mentioned. We, we taught in a church. We taught um, in a group, in a home with a group of students and uh, the pastor who's reaching out to them at Beijing Sports University. Then again, uh, I taught in the middle of a mall, taught parenting and in more of a a secular setting at a high-end mall, uh, scripture left in, references left out deliberately. Uh, as uh, It's from a book of wisdom. We don't believe God's word needs a chapter and a verse to be effective. Uh, and that went over really, really well. And yet right afterwards had an opportunity to um, have a direct ministry with the mall manager who was in crisis and got to share Christ with her. So it's it's varied. Uh, in some se- uh, settings, it is more business. John taught a group of Christian entrepreneurs. We brought with us also in November, Ron Dalton, whose dad was a an evangelist um, my dad knew him. My dad was once president of Christian Businessmen's Committee in Denver, and Sam Dalton was a, an evangelist, an African-American man. And Ron is a Korean War orphan, half African-American, half Korean, and told his story of his forefathers. And he told that story in multiple settings of his first father being uh, an African-American serviceman who never probably knew that he had a son, his second father being the one his North Korean mother married who did not want him, his third father being uh, Sam Dalton and Pearl, Mm -hmm. who adopted him and brought him to North America, and then his fourth father being the father who never leaves us, and that is God. I knew you were going there. I just knew you were going there. (laughs) I was like the kind of guy that knows how to just grab the attention of the people. And and they can feel that because in their culture, there's a lot of that to different fathers. It's all mixed up, dysfunctional families, et cetera. And then to bring our Heavenly Father. Oh, that's such a wonderful testimony. And I can see why that would go over very well in another country, in almost any country for that matter. Uh, Ron shared that story probably seven or eight times in November. And then in uh, in January, I was back in China teaching on servant leadership. And I included that story as part of my teaching on servant leadership. I taught in, again, in the bookstore, in churches, uh, in, uh, I taught it in a tavern with uh, about <laughs> 20 business people. And I taught it in a couple of other uh, oh, actually, in a uh, an RYB preschool, it's, they own 600 corporate kindergartens in China, and I taught with 50 of their uh, principals. And when I shared that story, I, I shared that Ron had titled it My Four Fathers, but then I proceeded to tell about three of the fathers. And every time I did that, the people in the group would say, well, who is the fourth father? And I would just say, you know what, let's talk about that during a break. I'll, I'll talk with you about that one-on-one. And I had many, many opportunities to talk about that separately outside of the training. 
That's fantastic. Well, we have only a few minutes left of the program, but I want to ask you, because it might have piqued some of the people's interest that they're saying, oh, I'd like to know more about China, and and what could I do to, to, to capture a little bit more of the flavor of China? I remember what Jesus said in, 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 in Scripture when it talked about how he looked upon the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. And the word looked in the Greek is intently looked at the people. And when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. And I'm thinking that's what happened to you, John. When you stepped off the plane and you were there three days, you began to really look at the people, intently see them. And then God gave you the compassion for those people. Now, for the folks who can't go to China, what could they do to look at the people as they're now kindling this compassion for them? What what would you have them do? Oh, my. Uh, well, if, if they would like to know more about what we do, they can certainly go on the website or email us. Um, our emails are our first names and our last initial, John S, uh, J-O-N-S at globalpartnersinhope.com and P-E-G-G-Y-S at globalpartnersinhope.com. And we can certainly respond to questions. But one thing, I guess, to paint a bit of a picture, I was surprised at the enthusiasm, the passion, uh, the heart of these people. They love to laugh. They um, they are so courageous. A pastor's wife that whose church is now shut down has said to us, we needed persecution. We needed to be awakened. We got lazy. We thought we could just go to church anytime. We thought we could buy Bibles online. And now we've had to make other arrangements. Um, so these are these are brave, passionate people who valiantly stand for their faith and for God. Well, what I'm hearing too with all of that is just begin a deep, serious, fervent time of prayer for those people. As we do that, there's going to be that uniqueness because as we're praying, we truly are talking to the King of Kings. Mm-hmm. We are truly at the throne of grace and we're truly communicating out of our love for him and our love for those people. And so with all of that, God will begin to lead the people that are listening to us today, if not to China, to Africa, if not to China or Africa, South America, if not there, we have to quote, bloom where we're planted. And it could start right now with your neighbors. Look at your neighbors. Look at the people you go to work. Look at the students that you have in class with you and really look at them and feel their pain in a sense. Compassion means come with passion, suffer, suffer with them for a moment. And you and I who have Christ as our savior, we won't have the same suffering, but we can imagine what that's like. But the reason we don't is because we have Christ and they don't. And now we want to bring them to them. And, and John, I really like the way you're presenting the style of communicating things that will help those that are out there in a non-threatening, non-in-your-face uh, gospel, but yet at the same time, knowing that you can create an, an environment or a, or, a, or a situation by your questions that will cause them to come back and ask for more. In other words, you're, you're putting fresh bait in front of them. And I don't like the word bait because it sounds like we're manipulating, but that food out there that they would want, you're, you're warming it up, you're seasoning it for them to then come and eat. So John, I'm, I pray that 
not only will you be able to be used there in China doing this, but you'll train people today how to do marketplace evangelism and not be afraid of it. Because if it can work there in China, it can work here as well. Absolutely. We love taking two people with us because they can see that. And then when they come home, they say to themselves, I need to do that too. What is the, what is the matter with us here? We need to take our faith more seriously. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to invite both of you back again for another program in the not too distant future, because I believe there is a lot more under the hood that you can share with us that would really add value to our lives and what we're doing and where we're serving the Lord. So I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. And we've been talking to Peggy and to John Sperling. They're a part of Global Partners in Hope. And I'd encourage you to go to their website, Global Partners in Hope. Dot com. That's easy. Global Partners in Hope. Dot com. And just take your time looking through, praying through that website, and then contact them. Ask them questions. They, they live their life to serve the Lord by helping you to go to your next level for the Lord as well. Well, anyway, my name is Stan Pons. I'm so glad that you could be with us for Make It Clear. If you have interest about maybe studying the Bible more or being equipped for ministry, then let me invite you to go to our website, FloridaBibleCollege.com, FloridaBibleCollege.com, where you can study online, on campus, and then in country as well. So why don't you give us a call if you've got questions about learning the Bible for yourself or even preparing for ministry. Well, Peggy, John, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. It's our pleasure. God bless you. We'll see you again. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.